0: Hey y'all, welcome to Power to Lead Her. I'm your host, Ankita Sundar. In this podcast, powerful women leaders share their leadership journey and advice to aspiring young women leaders. Today, I have another special guest. Archana Venigopal is a technologist at Texas Instruments. We are super excited to talk to her today about her career journey in the electrical engineering field and her leadership experience. Archana leads and works with cross-functional teams focusing on device thermal and reliability behavior. She works closely with various universities on exploratory topics and is an adjunct faculty member at UT Dallas. She's currently a senior member of IEEE, which is the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Hi Ms. Archana, welcome to my podcast. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, um, thanks for having me. Before we get started, can you please give us a brief introduction about yourself?
1: Um, OK, so hi, I am Marchana Vigopal and uh, I uh, live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am a uh, technologist at uh, Texas Instruments. I've been there for about um, almost eight and a half, nine years now. So. My background is in devices, so I do a lot of uh, um, very low-level stuff, like uh, dealing with transistors. And a lot of my work uh, is focused on reliability and the thermal um, effects of uh, of uh, interaction to transistors with, their, with its environment. And uh, I have a doctorate uh, in device physics from, from UT Dallas uh, and prior to that I I studied in India and I came here for my master's and my PhD. Um, on the personal front, uh, I am married, I have a three-year-old kid so uh, most of my time outside of work goes in keeping her busy. Uh, we spend two, we tend to spend a lot of time out of um, uh, either hiking or just doing stuff. Uh, and yeah, apart from that, I think in general, I just enjoy reading, uh, cooking, and uh, just uh, um, try to regularly work on my guitar skills as in when I have time. So a little bit about myself.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, Diving right into your career journey, can you tell us about what was your major in your undergrad and how exactly did you choose the electrical engineering path?
1: So um, right from before college, I really had an interest in physics. And um, at the time when it came to making the choice of a major, it, it seemed to make sense at least at that time to go into a technical field. Um, and so I picked, uh, that's, the field called electronics and communication engineering, uh, which was the closest in a way that you could get to, um, being with or, you know, studying about devices while being in an engineering domain. So that's what I picked. Um, and, uh, you know. Over the course of the four years, it just seemed more obvious to me that uh, I wanted to learn more about the fundamentals of the semiconductor um, device industry, uh, rather than go on, or uh, look at a more system level approach. So when I came here for my master's and my doctorate, I decided to go into that domain. So focusing more on the transistors and uh, material side of things. Uh, rather than look at a more um, system level or a circuit level approach.
0: Great. Um, I think that's really helpful since I'm sure like some of the people who are listening to our podcast will want to have a career in the electrical engineering or just engineering path overall. Um, Moving on to um, your PhD work, can you share your experience as a graduate research scientist at UT Dallas?
1: Uh, Yeah. So, um, it, it was a very different uh, experience for me, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether it will actually, um, if that's a thought process that will, uh, maybe it will partly resonate with, the, with people who grew up here and go to graduate school, rather than us coming from uh, from India and going to graduate sc- school here because um, the method of learning, at least in most of the universities, uh, is very different from the approach that is followed here. Um, I mean, I it mean, might be to some extent even true with, with the undergrad program and moving into a more um, research oriented graduate program because you're moving away from having a textbook based approach or a defined project based approach to a a domain where it's more open-ended so um, it sort of becomes an exercise where you are you have to figure out a problem that you want to work on you have to identify a problem and uh, you just have to spend time coming up with the solution and convincing yourself and your advisors that that solution is the viable approach forward. So I really enjoyed it because um, uh, I like the fact that you are sort of making headway in a new field and probably the publications that you get out are one of the earliest publications in the field out there. So you're doing something that has not been uh, documented before in a good way, but um, but you know along with that also come um, their own series of frustrations and uh, just having to uh, so yeah it's a it's sort of a um, like a, an ups and there are lots of ups and downs in the in the program and I think that is something probably most if not all uh, uh, people go through. At some point of time in there, in the graduate school research. Uh, But yeah, does that sort of help?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, That's uh, really cool to hear about how like research work and how it's more project based compared to like the domain work. Um, On that same topic, what research did you exactly work on and what were its implications on society, if any?
1: So my research work. uh, uh, the project that I worked on was on graphene. Um, it was a hot topic at that point because it had just been physically isolated uh, back in two thousand four. So I had start I started working on it in two thousand seven. So it was like a very new topic. So it it was um, at that point the scientific community had sort of started to move away from um carbon nanotubes or uh and start to look at more which is which is more one d or one dimensional and look at more look at graphene which was which was very interesting because it was the first time that you had uh, a a purely two dimensional material that was physically isolated, so you could go ahead and build devices on it and uh, just you know explore its properties so it was a pretty cool field to work on just because of the newness of it. Um, and the fact that the, the people who had isolated that the scientists won the Nobel Prize, just added on to the importance of the subject in a way. So I worked on um, mostly characterizing uh, properties such as how, do, how does metal interaction work with graphene and how do its transport properties look like? So if you were to convert it into a transistor, how would its transport properties be? And then what are the limitations? Um, yeah, what are the limitations to devices that are built with uh, with graphene as the base material? So um, again, because, because it was new, I think uh, I was, it was more uh, a case of being in the right place at the right time. So you could you could really make a lot of fundamental contributions uh, which sort of uh, became a platform for um, research that came up in the later years. So so I think that was a a fun project to work on.
0: Yeah, um, that's really interesting to know how society has like revolutionized this technology over several years. Um, After your research assistant work, Um, Can you give us an overview of your job at Texas Instruments?
1: Yes, I joined TI as a um, reliability engineer. So um, it is more on the side of once the device has been constructed, you just put it through a series of tests and you're, you're effectively looking at how reliable the device is. So you're pushing the device to see what would be, it's absolute upper limit in terms of the current that it can tolerate and the voltage it can tolerate and what are the various um, failure mechanisms that come with it. So as part of that work, um, it's a nice, it's a nice domain to at least start off with or be in uh, during the early stage of your career. At least that's what I felt in my case, because it, it, the, the field in itself gives you a lot of access to a lot of different technologies. So you're learning a, a, a lot in a very short period of time, which is which is which is very useful when you are starting off uh, uh, in the industry. And um, it also gave you an opportunity to not only work with other device engineers, but you're working with folks from the um, the factory environment, and you're working with uh, people from the design side. So it it gives you a broad scope of uh, experience in that way as well and after starting off in reliability i i always had this interest in looking at the thermal aspects of devices as well as how um, the thermal behavior changes when standalone devices interact with the package environment and with the board environment so that's what i've been working on primarily in the last few years um a lot of my expertise is in the thermal domain so um
0: Awesome. Um, that's really cool. Um, um, on that same topic, for those interested in connected devices, why do you think it's important to um, manage device thermal and reliability behavior?
1: So it's uh it's it becomes important because of um you know failures in the field. So there are a couple of things. One uh. uh you know, with consumer devices, as well as with automotive devices, um, automotive industry, what you're seeing is that it's becoming, um, there are just a lot of enhancements that are going on. Like you have so many sensors, your your car is a, a just a different set of sensors, for instance, doing different set of applications, uh, right from say motion sensing, you have sensors. I mean, especially with this, the um uh, the advanced driver assist stuff and people moving towards self-driving cars, your car is effectively a, a massive block of electronic components. So you're just putting more and more in um, into, into a car. So what that does is people want to integrate more and more silicon uh, or SMI conductor into a package. So what that does is you're looking at device shrink, you're looking at package shrink, but you're keeping the power the same or the, the entitlement that you want to pull from it the same. So that, that obviously results in a lot of heating problems and heating problems uh, can oftentimes result in device failure. So, um, and and that the same goes for reliability problems also. So unless those are well-documented, uh, people can come back with issues like field fails. So you can have, Uh, things not working, uh, say, when it's it's part of a server environment, or things not working when it's part of an automobile environment, or things not working when it's part of a a cell phone. Um, So those problems, I mean, if it's a cell phone, it's not that critical a problem. Um, I mean, the life of a cell phone, for instance, is two to three years. So um, that's the expectation that the, the cell phone will last. And it's it's not often an emergency if the cell phone does stops functioning one day I mean uh, but the same does not hold for instance if it's an automotive part or a car part. So there in that case you have reliability or thermal related fails in the field. that is a it's it's a very big problem that you don't want to have to deal with so so, so that's why uh, yeah especially with um, as the time goes by, uh, and pe- yeah, it, the thermal and reliability phase are things that, uh, that that are gaining more and more importance, things that people are looking into more and more.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's great insight to see the hardware and electronic side of technology. And the example you mentioned about cell phones in this behavior was um, really helpful. Um, what are the types of devices for which you manage the thermals for?
1: So um, most of the devices that um, so TI is an analog company. So uh, we not primarily look. We're not we not looking at digital applications. Uh, it's something that TI moved away. So the type uh, moved away from uh, I think back in the early two thousands. Um, so most of the applications are uh, built in and around power devices. So you have something called as um, lateral DMOS. So these are these are effectively transistors, um, like your n, uh, N-type n uh, MOS or N-type FET, and then your P-type FET, but they are just built in such a way, or constructed in such a way that they can handle um, higher voltages. And these go, then, go into a variety of applications uh, like the one fixed like, server was one example, and then um, it can go into uh, con- con- consumer electronic applications, like for instance, uh, any of the phones that we're using today might have a di part, but they're all meant or geared towards analog applications like sensors or, or such. So, so. so it's effectively, you, would, you could think of it as a a field effect transistor, but just built in such a way that it, it's able to handle a higher voltage than, than your typical um, transistor th- that's built for digital applications. I think that, that would be the way to put it, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, this is very beneficial to some of our listeners, especially um, those who are interested in the hardware aspect of technology. I see you have a lot of patents in this area. Um, for our listeners or students who are not quite familiar with patents, can you please tell us about that process? Uh,
1: sure. So the, the way patents work, uh, the purpose of patents is effectively you're protecting um, your idea. Um, and uh, the way it typically works uh, is you can either have so, and, and it can work in two ways. So either you can have an idea that is immediately applicable today. So say for instance, you're working on a process and you came up with a uh, a new device architecture or a, a version of a device architecture that just considerably improves the performance. And that that is something that is going to go into uh, a device which is going to get built into a product and then get shipped out. So, uh, that, is, that would be one domain that you would want to protect um, the IP of your company. So the way it works is suppose you've come up with the idea with a few other people who've been working with, you write, you write up an, uh, something called as an invention disclosure saying that, okay, this was a problem, we came up with this solution and uh, this is how we think it's gonna be beneficial. So like a quick summary. And then you end up working with the patent lawyers in your company. Uh, to frame a more, uh, I guess, a structured document in legalese. And that gets filed with the USPTO uh, and it gets reviewed. And uh, the main idea is because a lot of the, the way it works in the semiconductor industry is uh, obviously any, any industry has competitors. So as soon as a new part gets released, Uh, with specs or specifications that have not been seen before. The tendency obviously is to buy a competitive part and break it down. So it'll literally be sliced through and people can look at what are the process details and what are the changes that have been done in the structure. So uh, this is done, the the patent protection is done to prevent copying from happening. So that that is one domain or one area. The other domain or area is you protect protecting an idea. So it's a lot of times there are fields where, uh, which, is, which is maybe five or 10 years down the line. So the company is not yet ready to invest in it, but uh, given the thought that at some point they might be ready for investment or somebody else might be ready to invest. The way, if you have a strong enough idea and have a, have a structure around it, you can patent the idea. So if somebody else decides to go ahead and build it or somebody else decides to go ahead and manufacture it, TI or the company that you belong to will be able to license that idea to them. So it sort of works as a a, a separate revenue stream in itself that you're licensing the idea that, that you came up with to somebody else who wants to go ahead and actually build it. So so those are the two main purposes that patents work for. One is to protect uh, your, I mean, both are protecting your IP in a way. One is actually tangible IP in the form of product and the other one is IP in the form of an idea that you may or somebody else might go ahead and construct at some point.
0: Yeah, um, thank you for sharing your perspective and insight on the key aspects and features of a writing a patent and making sure you keep track of protection of the IP. Um, our podcast audience includes high schoolers and early college students. So what is your advice for young women who are interested in pursuing a career in research, technology, or electrical engineering? Um,
1: I would say... Um, just go for it. Yeah, that would be the, the simplest advice that I would give. Um, um, I think the the thought that um, you're a girl or a woman and uh, can do this, cannot do that is is, some, is, is, a, is a thought that should not occur um, to most um, people and it' it'll, it'll sort of help you in a way if you don't. Um let let the the gender being be a defining aspect. So um, yeah, I think my simple advice is be propelled by your interests and um, do not be afraid to ask. So that is the second thing a lot of times. Um, I think we are held back um, just because um, we don't we don't, Um, ask so we wait wait for opportunities to come our way but a lot of times I think opportunities are just waiting all you need to do is ask and um, uh, that that tends to help so those would be my two uh, two uh, cents that one is um, yeah I mean just because you're a woman or just because you're a girl Don't think that you have to be restricted to certain fields uh, just because of what you're seeing around you. Um, I think if you want, you can, you'll do just fine uh, in picking a a subject of your choice and going with it. There is really no restriction in terms of what one can do And, and setting this, yeah. If you need something, don't be afraid to ask.
0: Yes. Um, that's great advice that I'm sure will help all of our listeners and especially empower uh, more women in STEM. Um, I think that's all for our episode. Thank you so much, Ms. Archana, for a wonderful episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Ankita, me. Thank you. Alrighty. Thank you all so much for tuning in and make sure to hit the subscribe button. I'll be back soon with another interesting interview. Stay safe and healthy.